Is it so hard for pinball companies to communicate to just tell us as the customers of their products what the status is of the games that we ordered on this episode of Canada's pinball podcast I want to talk about Guns N' Roses collector's editions and the communication around this game to the people who bought this game I am one of them I want to talk about how Haggis Pinball is selling Celts pinball right now I want to talk about Ninja Turtles and how one little design choice in that game seems to be the Achilles heel of that game for most of the owners out there. And I also want to talk about Deep Root Pinball for just a little bit. They started to communicate to their customers and sent them a notification that I want to just touch on briefly, okay? Now, first and foremost, before we go into this, I saw a lot of conversation happening around playfield issues this week. And this is a topic that just never goes away. And the reason why it doesn't go away is because the problem has never been solved. And there's only one company out there who has solved the playfield clear coat issues, and that is Spooky Pinball. They are the only company that has ever given me confidence going into a game that I was not going to have playfield issues. And I have to say, my Rick and Morty was spectacular. The clear coat was amazing. And I see people now sharing photos of Guns N' Roses, people sharing photos of their Avengers. And whenever we see these photos, it's hard for me to say, I didn't tell you so, right? Because we told you so years ago that these companies have not solved this problem. And it continues to be a problem. And at this point, at this point, I really don't know what we're supposed to do, right? I don't know what we're supposed to do. Everyone's going to open up a box and everyone is going to cross their fingers and hope that when they pull that game out, they're not going to see pooling, right? They're not going to see chipping. They're not going to see other issues with the game. Now, look, we've been harping on this topic for almost two years now on Canada's Pinball Podcast, and we were the ones who told everybody not to buy Willy Wonka until the problem was solved. I really hope that this does not become a major issue with Guns N' Roses, okay? We are going to monitor this very closely. Again, the only thing we can do at this stage is we can collect the data and we can look at the play fields that are going to customers, not just Jersey Jack games, but Avenger games and Stern games moving forward. I still don't understand why we're having such inconsistencies when it comes to play field quality, right? Like, isn't Miracle using the same process over and over again on every single playfield? So there shouldn't be like a bad batch? So we will see what happens. But again, every time I see this thread pop up, I'm like, we told you so. Okay. Now, here's what I don't understand around the most amazing pinball launch of all time, which was the Guns N' Roses launch. The easiest way to understand how to make your customers happy when it comes to revealing a game and shipping a game is so super simple and stern pinball has been showing everyone how it's done and i still for the life of me do not understand why jersey jack pinball cannot seems incapable of just following the easiest system in place for shipping games to customers and by that i mean this 
you make a few pro versions of the game first. You put those pro versions of the game out on location to give people to give people a sample of what the game is to come and you just get the game out there, right? You get the line moving. The next game that Stern Pinball builds after the pro version of the game, they build every single LE next. They let the highest paying customers get on the plane first, okay? Other than those few pros, to me the few pros they build before the LEs are just like letting the pilot and the staff on the plane. But then they build every single LE before they even build a single premium game. So all 500 Avengers LEs are on the line before the premium people get their games. And that's how it should be for a few very obvious reasons. First and foremost, you paid the most money. You should get the experience before the people who paid less money. And basically, the premium and the LE are the exact same game. So give the people that paid more access to that experience first, okay? Now, what is Jersey Jack Pinball doing right now with Guns N' Roses? It is really, it is really strange what they're doing. So they built the LEs first, okay? So that is like building the premiums first. They built a hundred LEs first, and then they went and built SEs of the game. And then they're gonna build more, I think, LEs again before they get to the CEs. So that is the equivalent. If we were to put that in Stern sort of verbiage, that would be like Stern building a few premiums first of Avengers, then the pro version of Avengers, then who knows what's next. Maybe it's the LEs or maybe it's more premiums, okay? Are you confused? Because I'm confused. But it shouldn't be confusing. And people who bought these $12,500 collector's editions, why are they still? Why are they still? What is it, October 23rd or 24th? Why are they still confused about when they're getting their game. And it doesn't have to be an exact date, but they're confused about when the collector's editions are even going on the line. And the other people that are confused, not just the customers, but none of the distributors have any idea, have any clue when these games are going on the line. And it's not just when, how many? Are they gonna build all 500 at once? Are we gonna get 100 in a batch and then they're gonna stop and build more LEs and then they're gonna build another 100 SEs and then they're gonna build another 100 CEs? Are we gonna get them all in one sort of big swoop? I don't know, nobody knows, absolutely nobody knows. And here's the thing, I'm not personally in a rush I'm gonna wait to see you know, where I put this game depending on where I end up living because I really don't wanna live in New York City anymore and Brenda and I are starting to think about where we go next and I'd rather wait to where I land next than get the machine, have to pack it up, all that jazz. I won't lie, I also wanna see how the playfield quality nets out because if the playfield quality turns out to be Willy Wonka all over again, I might have to tell my distributor, I'll just wait to the end of the run to see if they fix the problem. Because right now, I'm really like, I'm torn. Part of me is like, first, I hope there's no issue. But if there seems to be issues on certain games, part of me is like, do I just send this game out to like high-end pinball to have them go over it and re-clear coat the game? Do I buy another play field and have Cruzman do something with it? You know, it's like, I don't want to have to even go down this option list. And, and, I, and again, I think it's too early to say that I have to because I haven't heard any issues with Willy Wonka's collector's editions. I, I think they fixed the problem then. 
So I'm just gonna have to wait and see. But this is beyond that, this is beyond that. I think Jersey Jack Pinball had the greatest launch ever with Guns N' Roses, but now I think, now I think they're starting to like be a little bit confused about what's next. And they're sort of taking the approach of silence until we know, but how did they not have this figured out? And how did they not have something to say, at least give us something, right? At least give your best customers, and I mean that, like your highest paying customers should be the ones you over communicate to. And it can be any communication, they'll take it, send them 500 t-shirts, tell them this is our ballpark time frame. You don't have to promise a date, but I think some communication is important and none of it, which is where we're at right now, just isn't good. It just isn't good. I mean, I was talking to Eric all the time during this game's amazing launch, and then I hit him up the other day, and I'm like, hey, any ballpark on the CEs? Nothing, no response, nothing. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the, if the playfield issues have them a little bit anxious about what to say. I'm not sure, but I do know this. No communication to your biggest customers is not good. And that's just something that I hope this company improves as they continue you know, to make games and continue to like release titles because it's not just about a big pop at release. You now have to like follow up and continue that journey with your customers because we're all on the customer journey right now with Jersey Jack Pinball. And this title is so hot and it's so popular that this is the first time ever they've had this many customers on the journey with them at the very beginning. And I just wanna see them handle it a little bit better. I just don't think you can do this and sell people $12,500 products and then go radio silent on them for two weeks as they watch all these other people unbox their games. And I think the silliest thing too, and I gotta just say this, I think it's just absolutely silly that people who spend the least amount of money got to go in front of all the first class passengers. No, no, no. It's so easy. When you pay the most, you get the experience first. The VIPs get into the club first. They get on the plane first. All right, so let's see what happens. I hope everyone finally gets some word on their CEs next week, all right? All right, so what else is going on in pinball? So I did a little digging on Pinside the other night because I'm like, let me just read on some of these titles that we haven't really talked about very much. You know, I haven't had a chance to play Avengers LE yet. My good friend Adam down in Tribeca, he got his LE. I've been so busy at work, I haven't been able to make it down there, but I'm really hoping to hop on his machine. He's got the most amazing pinball setup, and the game just looks really beautiful there. And so I've been seeing some of the streams, not many. The feedback I've seen on Avengers has been very, very positive. So I'm very confident I'm gonna jump on this machine and have a really good time. And I think Stern has a home run with this title for sure, okay? So I started digging around the Ninja Turtles thread. I went into the sewer and I started reading what is going on with Ninja Turtles because it just feels like a title I haven't really heard that much about since it's been out, right? COVID hit, Ninja Turtles hit. It was the title everyone ran to. Stern was really smart. They got all those Ninja Turtles on the line pretty quickly. And once the uh, order banks opened, people like fled to Ninja Turtles because... Uh, <laughs> Fled to or fled? You fl can you fled to something or you fled fled from something? Um, people people move towards Ninja Turtles and the sales I, I heard were pretty good, but then I didn't hear much. And then I started to read all about all the issues with the LE. 
But last night as I was reading through the thread, it seemed like there was one common denominator that was really impacting most people's fun on the game. Well, maybe two things. The first is one that I just don't have enough experience like saying yes or no on it is basically people are starting to realize that the code in Ninja Turtles is again a weak point in the game. How many chances do you get to make the code in these games and uh, it's just it is what it is. It is what it is. But but that's not really that's not really the main issue I keep hearing about Ninja Turtles, okay? The main issue that I keep hearing about Ninja Turtles is the left outlane. Now, apparently, this left outlane in this game is just brutal. The question I want to raise for everyone on this podcast is this. When you have a very casual theme, like Ninja Turtles, like Ghostbusters, you know, a theme that appeals to a broad audience, it's got nostalgic value. The last thing you want to do with a theme like Ninja Turtles that both kids and adults love, the last thing you'd want to do, right, is design a game that has a really frustrating, like unfair sort of drain designed into it. And so the left outlane, here's the problem with it. And this, to me, this is like such a bonehead move. You can't adjust the left outlane post at all. It's permanent. It's not a post that's movable. So it's set at a certain position and that gap in the left outlane is pretty wide open and there's nothing you can do. That to me is the weirdest thing that you could ever do on a game like a Ninja Turtles. Like, and just in general, a pinball machine should never have the inability to make it a little bit easier when it comes to those outlane drains, right? How easy is it to design it so that you can either open them up wide, right? You could open them up for tournament players and for really high-skilled players, or if you want to put it in your home and you have kids and they're not that good at pinball or you want to learn the game a little bit and have longer ball times, you can adjust it and make it easier. But my point being, to design a pinball machine in modern times in which so many of them are going into people's homes and to take away the ability to make that game any easier for people, I think it is idiotic. It is idiotic. I also have always thought that a game should come from the factory, not too hard. It just, you can always make it harder. But I always am frustrated too because there is a moment when people want to play the game the way the designer thinks it's best set up for the majority of players. Do you hear me? A game should be set up to be enjoyable for the majority of players when it leaves the factory. And I always, I always find it annoying when games are designed for players of skill sets that are way too high. Like out of the box, the game is brutally hard. I just think that is such a bonehead move if you let a game go out into the wild that way, okay? And I can already hear the tournament players be like, play better, play better. But no, no, there's just, there's no reason why this game should be frustrating so many of the owners right now and there's nothing they can do. I mean, maybe you can add a little bit of a thicker rubber, this or that. And it, and it just takes one design flaw like that. I mean it. It takes one design flaw to sink a game's enjoyment. So an outlane like that, you know, Willy Wonka, I heard a lot of people don't like the left outlane either. Don't like the way the pops just put the ball right down the middle. I mean, do we forget the flipper gap in Ghostbusters, right? So when a game has a design flaw that makes it unfairly challenging, that could be all it takes to make that game undesirable, all right? So I think Ninja Turtles, it's, it just seems like a game that's starting to sink more and more into that black hole of, I just want to say it, like 
a little bit irrelevant. It's just going to be one of those games that doesn't last the test of time, maybe for design reasons, maybe for code reasons. But I'll say this, if you're a Ninja Turtle fan, I would just wait because these games are going to be going for cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Every month that goes by, Ninja Turtles are going to become less and less expensive. And that's good for the secondhand market. For a lot of you guys who ran into a Ninja Turtles, uh, is it the dream theme you thought? Is it providing you hours of fun? Is the game problem free? Is that left out lane killing the fun for you? Uh, that's what I'm reading. That's what I'm reading. I haven't had enough time on it myself to say that's the case. But it's more about the design thing. I think that's the important thing for me. I think people need to start designing these white woods in a way that has more mass appeal. And I think that's why so many people are really enjoying Guns N' Roses because even if you're not an amazing pinball player, you can jump on a Guns N' Roses and have a really, really good time and do a lot of stuff in the game. Can you do that with Rick and Morty? Maybe, maybe, probably not. A very casual player is not going to walk up to Rick and Morty and start an adventure even. They, they probably can't even hit a ramp. And I know you're saying like, well, that's not, you know, you should be able to at least do that. But, you know, there's just some of these games where even Rick and Morty lately, I've, I've been hearing people like all the tweaks owners have to do to make the game smooth and shoot right. Like that just shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't have to like take our new games apart and tweak them so they just shoot, shoot right. Imagine this. Imagine if you pulled out of a car dealership with your brand new car and the alignment was all off and the car is going all over the road. Like what would you do? What would you do? Would you align it yourself or would you take it right back to the dealership and say fix this thing? And that's what I think we should start expecting. You know, more than just clear coat, I think we should expect these games to be smooth out of the box. You should not have to make the game shoot right. It's not a switch adjustment, right? It's not a light bulb that fell out. It's not a connector that got unplugged when it was shipping. Some of these games, like, they just don't shoot the right way unless you do a bunch of tweaks. And I don't think we should have to do that, all right? Okay. But man, it is a good time to be in pinball. I'm excited. I really am. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to be excited about in pinball that I think a lot of us are enjoying right now. All right, so what else is going on? So Haggis Pinball, they're releasing Celts, and it is out. The fact that there's a pinball machine made in Australia, I think right away, they're probably going to sell most of these games to people in Australia because they're going to be so much cheaper to buy this game than the import fees these guys have to pay on, on US games that are brought in. And it's just nuts. It is nuts how much more Australians pay for pinball machines. So I'm assuming it's a lot cheaper to buy this game because there's no import tax on it. And it's the Australian dollar to the Australian dollar when you buy this game. Now that being said, I did chuckle when I saw that when they announced this game, they announced that they're only making 200. We're only going to make 200 Celts games. You know, and I know, and we all know that there's no market demand for Celts. There's like zero. Like it, it is up there. It is to me, Celts is even below Oktoberfest. I mean, in terms of theme selection, there's nobody out there who woke up ever and said, you know what theme I want in pinball? Celts, right? There's just, there's nobody, not even the Celts want this game, okay? Not even the Celts want this game. But that being said, there are people out there that want a unique pinball experience. 
And the fact that this game is unique, it's different, it's got an indestructible play field, which is great. These guys finally figured out when you do the reverse printing on the Plexi, I I don't know the whole terminology, but it doesn't dimple, it doesn't dent. It's the way they're doing it is awesome. I really think that the the biggest innovation to come out of pinball in the last few years is Haggis's play field innovation. And I'm so surprised that more companies aren't looking at what they're doing. And I told them when I interviewed Damien, these guys should just make play fields for people. Like screw Mirko, like make these play fields for all the companies and make them dent and dimple and pooling free. And that might be a better business model than making Celts. But anyway, so there's only 200 available. Look, the notion of manufactured scarcity, it can work. But is it going to work? Are they going to sell 200? It just reminded me of when Cosmic Carnival sold you know, only 150 or only 200 games. It doesn't matter that you put that there. I don't think a single level game like this can sell 200, but here's where I think they might reach that goal. It's simply because of the fact that it's in Australia and those crazy Aussies pay so much money for games that I think there might be enough collectors in Australia who will just support a company from Australia. So if they can sell like 100 there, will they find a home elsewhere in the world? I don't know. I don't know. It's a hard thing to to wake up again and just like with all the options, land on a theme like that. And I hope that the next theme they come up with is far better. Learn how to build games on a theme that might be you know, undesirable, but your next game, your sophomore game, has to be a theme people want, okay? All right, so no news from Chicago Gaming Company whatsoever. This continues to be like the forever waiting game for Chicago Gaming Company to give us something. Any news from American Pinball? With them, I don't think Hot Wheels has sold very well, and I'm curious what they're gonna do next. I don't know what they're gonna do next. I don't know what the future holds for them. I think the competition is very stiff right now, Everyone's going to have to up their game to find buyers, and I think it's just going to get harder and harder for AP. I really do. I mean, I was reading a thread on Pinside in which someone's trying to sell a Houdini with only 30 plays. Houdini with only 30 plays for 51.75. it was at last night, and even then, it was just sitting there. Even then, and people are like, it's a $5,000 pin. I mean, a $5,000 pin, and Houdini's pretty packed, people. It's pretty packed. And it's crazy to me. So you talk about a game like Houdini, what maybe they sold 600. It's got a ton of stuff in it. It's a theme like Houdini. Everyone knows Houdini, a magic theme. Everyone says magic is great for pinball. And yet you can't even give it away at 5175. And that just goes to show how competitive pinball is right now. How you either make a magical game or you're going to be DOA now. Like it is so much harder to be successful in 2020 than it was like six years ago. I was listening to the Buffalo stream tonight and they were talking about Celts and they're like, well, you know, Spooky started out small with 150 uh, America's Most Haunted, right? And and they they, they grew slowly from there. Yeah, but you got to remember when Spooky came out with America's Most Haunted, the pinball landscape was so radically different. There weren't nearly the amount of titles. There weren't nearly the amount of like great games out there. Now there are so many other players in pinball that are making games. And also it's just timing, right? If America's Most Haunted came out the same month as Guns N' Roses, you best believe Spooky Pinball might have never gotten off the ground. 
if there was a Guns N' Roses Pro, that was the same price as AMH, right? So that's the thing. It's like, it's just so much harder. And that's why in this difficult climate in pinball, more than ever, you really have to get the theme right. You really have to deliver something unique and different. And just making pinball is not going to be enough anymore. So speaking of making pinball, I got hit up by Ed Robertson. He's like, Chris, did you just call Gary Stern a liar for saying he has 5,000 games backordered? And Ed told me that they have 5,300 games backordered. Exactly 5,300, not 5,299, not 5,301. But ladies and gentlemen, Ed Robertson knows how many games Stern has back ordered? Okay, so Ed's my new uh, my new fact checker. So anytime I say something, I'm gonna make sure Ed is uh, brought in and, and can fact check if I'm right or wrong. All right, all right. So deep root. Oh, there's not really any real deep root news, people. It's like you know when you say deep root now, you kind of gotta say it like you're sighing, like ah, oh. you know. It's like how's everything going? Everything's good. And someone's like, what about deep root? You're like, oh, deep root. Ah, oh, deep root. You know. And I've been hearing that they've been communicating to people on the Zidware claims list that they are expecting to ship games by the end of the year. End of the year. Now, I really hope they clarified what year they were talking about. Is it this year? Is it next year? Is it five years from now? And also the people who are in on an original Raza are being told that they will get the standard base version of the Raza as a make good. I think that's disappointing to all those people too, because remember when these people gave John Papaduke money for Raza, they were buying a limited 100 game high-end pinball machine that was $10,000. Now they're being told that they're just gonna get the base version of the game. And so how much is the base version? Five, $6,000, right? It's really looking like all of those people are kicking themselves they should have taken the money when Robert was handing out the money. I think it was like four or $5,000 that people got if they wanted a refund on their Rasta deposit. And those people who got refunds, gentlemen, stand up and pat yourselves on the back because you, you dodged a bullet and you did the right thing. I mean, the fact that people, all the people didn't get refunds when the money was being handed out is crazy. And it just goes to show that once again, people's dreams of John Papaduke delivering will not come true. And I don't know if they're ever going to come true, but it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. They, they need to show that they have an assembly line at least. Like it's almost November. So let's just say hypothetically we've got 10 months left in the year. Where is the line? Where are the parts? Where's this octo assembly we heard so much about? That's what we need to see. Until we see that, no one's getting anything. And from what I've heard from the Deep Root 6 that went down there, you know, we, we've let them go, right? We don't hear about the Deep 6 anymore. It's like they were able to, to escape into the night as we got distracted by Guns N' Roses. But let me tell you what I heard from the Deep Six, okay? From those in the Deep Six who broke NDA, right? They signed an NDA. From those who broke NDA. Let me tell you what I heard from them. I heard they saw zero manufacturing. I heard there was absolutely no manufacturing that they saw. They went into a room and it was basically like an empty manufacturing room. I mean, there was stuff in there. There was no assembly going on. There was, there was no manufacturing taking place. So they didn't see any manufacturing taking place. So thank you, Deep Six, for not reporting on what you saw. 
Should we let them off the hook? Look, I don't think anything they did is wrong. I don't think that we should hold these people forever accountable for going down to see a game that was supposed to be revealed the day after they were down there or two days after they were down there. And then all of a sudden now they're, they're like, they have to be silent for the rest of their lives around this thing. That's not what a pinball reveal trip should be. It's not, it's not really their fault. It really isn't. You know, if you get invited to go test drive a car and you're a journalist and you sign an NDA that says you're not going to talk about like the car, this or that. Okay, fine. But if you go test drive the car and the wheels fall off and a car blows up on the track, you're allowed to go back and tell people, I went to go test drive the new car and it blew up, <laughs> right? The NDA does not protect you from that, you know, or, or the wheels fell off. And I, I think Deep Root sort of doesn't understand, like, you can't, you can't hide everything forever. Like, eventually it's going to get out there, right? All right, what else is going on in pinball? Hook up a subwoofer to your Guns N' Roses. I've been reading about that. It, the game comes alive. There's a lot of talk about the speakers in the game. You know, when I played this game, I, I never felt like the speakers didn't sound good. This, the game sounded amazing. So I'm just, I'm, it's like, what do we want? Sometimes I'm like, I read Pinside. I'm like, what do you people want? Like, what will make you happy? Will anything ever make people on Pinside happy? I don't even know if it's like pinball that's the problem. I wish I could sort of see how how most of these people who are always complaining on there, how they spend their their lives. Like, what are their days like? Are they are they exercising? Do they have a job they enjoy? Do they have kids they love? A wife they love? Like, what what makes people compelled to go onto a pinball forum almost on a daily basis and find something horribly wrong with pinball? Right? Did you guys get that way by listening to me? I hope not. I hope not. No. So look, this has been episode 523. To put a pin on it, Jersey Jack Pinball needs to do a much better job communicating to their top tier customers what the time frame is. You don't have to give people specific dates, but just give them a ballpark of what they can expect. You need to over communicate to your best customers. And going silent like this while these guys have to watch LE buyers have all the fun, that's not the way to do it. Stern showed you how to do it, Jersey Jack. Make the SEs first, then make all your collector's editions, and then make your LEs. It's that easy. It really is that easy, and that's the best way to do it. Stern Pinball has 5,300 back-ordered games because Ed Robertson said so, so it's fact. What else is going on? Haggis Pinball is only making 200 Celts, only. Not even the Celts want to buy Celts, okay? But I think they'll sell most of them in Australia because the prices there are insane. Is the left out lane destroying Ninja Turtles? Who knows? I just think when you design something like that into a game and you don't give people the ability to make their game easier, you've really messed up. And I think Borg needs to realize this is a, a mass appeal casual game that should be fun. Who cares if there's longer ball times, man? Stop making these games so damn frustrating out of the box. It's such a stupid design decision. It's a total move because these guys don't want to get made fun of by like the really good players who are going to complain about long ball times. Let me tell you something. The really good players, they don't buy new in-box machines. They don't. Most of them do not. All right, that's been episode 523 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. It's kind of like a late night edition. Does my voice sound a little smoother? It's a little bit less energetic, less screaming, because it's it's almost midnight, and this is what I'm doing right now. But anyway, everyone, have a great weekend. We'll be back with more episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast. (laughs) 